Shall we bow for prayer? Our Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the privilege of coming to sit at your feet. Lord Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life. Therefore, as we sit at your feet, to learn of you, we pray that that which we receive tonight will never be taken away from us. We pray, dear Lord, that your grace and truth will come even to us. And by the workings of your grace, we will release us even into complete and perfect obedience so that our whole lives will proclaim that we are a people who have covenant with the almighty God. We thank you for each and every one of us. Those here present and those at other places behind their devices, we pray that your presence will be with all of us. Visit us tonight and do a new thing in our lives. Let us never leave this meeting the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace and many blessings. The Lord is good. So, tonight we are considering the topic, walking in obedience. Walking in obedience. And I must confess that when I received the, the notice to talk about this topic, I just said to myself that, hey, God, do I even qualify to talk about working in obedience? Because you know that in my secret place, this has been my chief complaint, that my obedience is not complete. So I was just crying to the Lord for myself. And um, there's a scripture that came to me in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1 and 2. And um, I would like for us to look at it in the message. Isaiah 51, 1 and 2. Listen to me, all you who are serious about living right, about right living, and committed to seeking God. Ponder the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were dug. Yes. Ponder Abraham, your father, and Sarah, who bore you. Think of it. One solitary man, when I called him, but once I blessed him, he multiplied. Amen. So, my attention is drawn to the fact that if I want to walk seriously with the Lord and take this instruction that God has given to, to us this year very seriously and walk before the Almighty God blameless, then I have to look at Abraham and Sarah. And um, I noticed that, okay, 
in the life of Abraham and Sarah, the, the guideposts for walking perfectly before the Lord are dotted all along their walk of faith. So we see that in their lives, from the time that Abraham was called in chapter 12 up to chapter 17, where God introduced himself to him again and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless or, and be perfect. There are so many episodes in his life. And when we look at him and his wife and we look at their walk of faith, it was full of ups and downs, mountains, valleys, crooked places. In fact, the song that best described their situation was, we fall down and get up. You remember that song? We fall down and get up. We fall down and get up. For the saint is just a sinner who fall down and get up. That was what best described their situation. Because there were so many ups and downs. In chapter 12, we see that God called Abraham out of his country, out of his um, father's house. And he left with his wife and his immediate family. Abraham obeyed the call of God. But not long after he left, he encountered a famine. A famine that sent him to Egypt. And it was a life of compromise and lies. And I noticed that in the life of most of us, when we have obeyed the call of God, we have responded to the Lord to say, I surrender my life to you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. There are times where we meet this kind of famine, where we, we lack, because of lack of the engrafted word of God, a sincere milk of the word, we, we enter into a life of compromise and a substandard Christian living. And this happened to Father Abraham. So I realized that God was so right in saying that, okay, so if you want to be saved and if you are serious about walking in faith, then look at the rock from which you were cut. This is where we were cut from. And we can have a lot of lessons. There are a lot of things that we can learn from. And we can receive a lot of instructions in righteousness from here. Now, Abraham comes out of Egypt in chapter 13. And there's another controversy con confronting him. And um, that was a struggle over space. So... That was when they split, he and his nephew, Lot. And uh, Lot went his way. He chose what he thought was very nice. 
and he went. And after that, God appeared to Abraham and promised him that, look, look, east, west, north, south, all these places that you are seeing, I'm promising you, it's for you, it's for your descendants. So in chapter 14, we see that there is a battle to be fought to rescue Lot from captivity. And God helped him and he was able to win this battle in our lives. There are people that God has given to us that we have to wrestle, fight the fight of faith to rescue them out of captivity. And as the Lord helped Abraham, I believe that when we also look to the Lord, he helps us in this kind of battle. After this battle, Abraham now has an encounter with Melchizedek. And he, he, he pays his tithe to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek also blesses him. I believe that this was a, a very powerful time. This was, you know, the mountain time, mountaintop experience. Um, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we get to the mountaintop experience. And everything is going well. We are, we are winning victories, you know, uh, in various aspects of our lives. And uh, God is blessing us and giving us assurances. And we are, we are also faithful in doing our part. And it's so wonderful, you know. But then, in chapter 15, we see that Father Abraham had a concern. The concern that he had, God appeared to him and said, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Ah, this thing you are telling me, me standing here, I don't even have a child. This is my chief steward. He is going to inherit everything that I have. God said, No, that, that is not it. You know. So now, God promises him again. And he's asking God, so what shows, what is the proof, you know, that all these things that you are promising me is coming to me? Um, one classmate of mine says that, um, he said in French, when they say what shows, then it's quelque shows, but waiting and to start. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so God told Abraham, okay, you get the animals and cut them into two and put them down. And he did this. And then the, the fowls from the air came down, wanting to, you know, swoop down on his, his sacrifice or the covenant that he was cutting with the Lord. And so, Father Abraham had to drive away these uh, vultures from the time that they started coming, I think it was in the daytime, till the evening. He kept driving them away, you know. And I realized that, okay, so this is another guidepost that is showing us something. That 
Yes, we have the word of God. We have the promises of God. But the enemy is always trying to, you know, come and steal what we have. And God has given us that um, legal right to, to fight against the enemy and ward him off. All that the enemy wants to do to steal our blessings from us. Because um, God's word tells us that he's a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God has come that we have, Christ has come that we have life and have it more abundantly. So, when we, we encounter certain things, we have to know that um, we just don't have to sit aloof and allow these vultures to come and be collecting something that we are doing with God. Because God is the one who instructed him to cut that covenant. And he, he cut it. And yet, the vultures came. So, the fact that God tells us to do something and we are doing, does not mean that the enemy uh, will not come around to try and, and steal from us. Right in the presence of God, these vultures were coming. And Abraham said, this one, it will not happen. I'm going to keep you off from morning till the evening. And then when he fell asleep, God gave him a vision concerning his descendants, what was going to happen to them. You know, so it's another guidepost. When we fight and we get to a certain point, the vision of the Lord, the purposes of the Lord, the plans of the Lord will come to us concerning us, concerning our descendants, concerning people that God has given to us. I believe that if Abraham had not stayed his ground to fight these vultures, um, he would not have had that experience. So, this happened to Abraham in, in, in chapter 15 and then in chapter 16 we see them taking a shortcut. He and his wife. It was the wife's initiative. And then he too. As they say, the mosquito who wants to go to his in-law's house, when he gets a tailwind, will quickly also um, rush to that place. So he took a shortcut with Sarah's maid, and then Ishmael came into the picture. This is a downtime. And in, verse, in chapter 17 is when God now comes to Father Abraham again. And he introduces himself to Abraham, saying, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be perfect. Many utum funyankopon nantu minim na ye pe. That's the three verse. I was looking at it in various versions and it's very powerful. And this is twenty four years after God has called Abraham. 
and 13 years after the May 7th saga, that God is coming to say this to Abraham. So it means that God had reason to tell Abraham that walk before me and be blameless because there have been down times, up times, down, up, up, down, like a yo-yo. And God didn't want it to be like that. I believe that God is coming to us in the same manner. When he gives us his word to say, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. He has good reason to say that to us. In the book of Revelations chapter 2, chapter 3 verse 2, the Lord was addressing a church and he said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found your works perfect before God. So, this is what God is saying to the church. So, if he's saying, walk before me and be perfect, and he's saying it to CFCC, it means that he has not found our works perfect. And then, as a people, when we look at Psalm 78, verse 35 to 37, it says, Then they remembered that God was their rock, and the Most High God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth, and they lied to him with their tongue. Verse 37, For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. So, this is what God is saying about his people. Even though they are God's people, and they also recognize that the Almighty God, he is our God, he is our rock, but he is their redeemer. Even though they recognize that God who is looking into the hearts of his people is seeing something. When they are praising him, they are worshipping him, God is seeing it as a flattery. They are flattering him with their mouths. And the words they are saying to him, they don't mean it. He says, they lie to him with their tongue. And he says that their heart was not steadfast with him. Many times we waver. We, we are tossed about, left, right, and round about. And we are not steadfast in him. And we have not kept faith with God in this covenant relationship. And that's what God is saying about his people. So if God is saying, walk before me and be 
perfect or blameless, then it means that um, this is the reason. These are some of the reasons why he will say this to his people. And to the individual, let's see Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 2. Says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. So, if God comes and he says what he has said to us this year, then it means that as individuals and as a congregation, as a church, there are many things that he's seen in our lives that are not they are not perfect before God. And so he's calling us to order. And before one can become perfect, obedience is the main signpost or guidepost to walking perfectly before the Lord. And I believe that that is the reason why this time around, when Abraham, when God introduced himself to Abraham, Abraham had had many visits from the Lord, from the time the Lord encountered him in Genesis chapter 12. But this time around, the Lord addressed the cause of disobedience in the life of Father Abraham and his household. So we see that in chapter 17, verse 13, he is saying something here. I'm reading still from the message. He says, make sure you circumcise both your own children and anyone brought in from the outside. That way, my covenant will be cut into your body, a permanent mark of my permanent covenant. Amen. So, God is pointing at something very important here. Because if we are not, the cause of the disobedience is not removed from the Many instructions will come, but will keep rising and falling. And God does not want it that way. So he said, make sure you circumcise. So the flesh, the old nature, which is the cause of disobedience, must be cut off, must be removed, because... That old nature has been the one who keeps polluting the covenant. Who keeps breaching the covenant. He is the rebel who is always opposing what God says. So God, in this chapter 17, was getting to the root cause of the matter. And he says, make sure you circumcise. 
So this circumcision is not um, for us today. It's not the circumcision that is made with hands, but it's the circumcision of Christ, where the flesh is removed and we become a new creation in Him. And that can be found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. So, God, in coming to us this way, is telling us something that, look, the mountains must be, must be brought low. Every valley must be exalted. The crooked places must be made straight before the glory of the Lord can be revealed. Hallelujah. That's Isaiah 40. Verse 4 and 5. Because he wants to show forth his glory through us. He has called us. We are a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood. We are God's own people. He has called us forth to show forth his, his praise, his excellence throughout the world. And that can only happen when we are we are circumcised by the circumcision of Christ. Then we can be obedient. Because there is no other way, actually. There is no, no other way to complete obedience than what God has laid down. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, Again, still looking at it in the message. He says, So, let's keep focus on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You will see it yet. So, we want all that God has for us. Everything that God has for us. All the blessings of Abraham. All the blessings of the covenant. And so God is telling us something here. That we must keep our focus on that goal. Um, we can't dilly-dally. Because sometimes we, we tend to wonder whether this is the only way that okay isn't the emphasis on holiness and walking before God isn't it too much isn't there and there other things to talk about in this covenant relationship you know like how we can experience God's power and how we can really be blessed and you know possess our possessions and all of that but I pray that God will clear our minds to understand that this is the only way. He says that, the, the, the hymn writer says, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So we have to keep our focus and make up our minds. Whether we want to walk in covenant with the Lord and 
whether we want to enjoy everything that God has for us and be ready to pay the price. But by the grace of God, it is possible to walk before the Lord blameless. If we look at uh, the Abraham experience, that is something that happened to him even before the, the Ten Commandments. So, it is not about the law. Okay? It's not about the law. Some will say, oh, we are under grace. We are not under the law. This is actually the workings of God's grace to, be, to receive the circumcision of Christ where his own hands will come and um, remove the old nature that pollutes the, our covenant with him. That we will yield ourselves to him to do this work of grace. To make us new. So that we will be able to be fruitful and increase righteousness in the earth. This is the workings of God's grace. It is not under the law. So, we must keep our focus on fulfilling our part of this covenant. And our part of this covenant relationship with the Lord is to walk before him and be blameless. God wants everything that clouds our minds to think that, oh, this is too far-fetched. Oh, is it possible? This is not possible anyway. We have to be realistic, you know. Um, but this is realistic in Christ. Amen. May the Lord help us to clear all our blurred vision concerning this covenant relationship with him. Otherwise, we'll only be singing and dancing and say, I'm walking in power. I'm walking in miracles. I live a life of favor. I know who I am. And it will just be a song and not an experience. But may it not be only a song. May it be a reality. Whilst we have yielded ourselves to the circumcision of Christ. So that that which keeps tripping us to fall down will be taken out of the way. And also, you know, by nature, because of one man's disobedience, we are naturally disobedient. So to become naturally obedient, we must now experience the hand of God in this manner so that it will not be burdensome to obey God. It will not be burdensome and troublesome. Like when we are talking about walking in perfection and blameless before God, um, a burden will not come on you to say that, ah, this church, can't they talk about anything else? Every day you come to church, you know, they should encourage us, encouragement. You know, it's good to encourage and things like that. <laughs> God loves us. Hallelujah. The Lord loves us. So he wants to do this in our lives so that we will not find his commandments burdensome. We will not find his instructions burdensome at all. And if we are already on track, we should not lose hope. We should continue to press on because this is the right way. 
this is the way. Because we know for many of us, like Father Abraham, we, we stumble in many ways and in many things. Um, all the things that happened to him in his journey from chapter 12 to 17. We can relate to those things. We can relate to them. We know it. You know. And we cannot, so we cannot do without the word of God. And the Christian life is a spiritual battle. So we cannot just be aloof and allow the enemy to play the fool around us and rather be crying and asking God, Oh God, why? God, why? God, why? And he has given us the authority to resist the devil, to drive him away, and he will flee from us. So we have to take note of these signposts that God has set in the life of Father Abraham, the rock from which we were cut, so that we also will come from the point of rising and falling to the point where we are steadfast in faith and we are showing forth the praise of him who called us. And we are walking into every promise that God actually gave to us. God had promised Abraham. And for so many years, you know, sometimes we receive the promises of God. We see it in the word of God. We, we receive confirmation as we hear in the word of God being preached and all that. And we may even think that, ah, this is too far-fetched. So we want to help God. And the enemy will come and tell you this, um, this slogan, that heaven help those who help themselves. But it's not in the Bible. Oh. It's a lie of the devil. See? So that is what they try to They try to help God to bring their promise to come to pass. But that was not God's way. And the consequences are still with us up to today. 24 years. I don't know how long you have worked with the Lord. Yours may not be 24 years. Yours may be more than that. Yours may be less than that. But God is coming to all of us. And he's saying that walk before me. And he didn't stop there. He went on to give instructions as to how this walk before me and be blameless can be possible is by getting rid of that old nature. So we have to make up our minds and decide today whether we truly really want to have this covenant relationship with the Lord. Then we must agree with God and follow the path that he has set before us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 16. I want us to look at something there quickly in the NLT. It says, so prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. And exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you 
when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So, it means that if we do not make up our minds, it may not be possible to have this walk with the Lord. We have to make a definite decision. Take a definite decision that God has come to say this. So, God, I am coming before you. I am deciding. I'm saying yes to what you have commanded. And I'm availing myself to, to be helped so that I will be able to receive all that you have for me. So we have to keep our hope in the gracious salvation that will come to us. He says, so you must live as God's obedient children. We have to decide how we are going to live. That from now on, I am living for Jesus. I am walking before him. I am not going to walk haphazardly. I'm not going to stray into the crooked path. I'm not going to descend into the valley. I'm going to walk before the Lord. So, Lord, help me. And this decision, when a person takes this decision, the enemy will not sit aloof. Like how those vultures came on the covenant that Abraham was cutting with the Lord, they will come. The vultures, they will come in one form or the other. And it is our duty because of the decision that we have taken that we are going to live as obedient children of God. We will not slip back into the old way of living to satisfy, he says that, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So it means that God wings over the days of ignorance. When we did not know, God showed us mercy. He knew our frame. But now, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. And this same grace is also teaching us how we can stand our ground and deny ungodliness. So, God has already set the landmark. He says that in everything that we do, we must be holy. Just as God who chose us is also holy. So, we have to make up our minds. It's something to take note of. We can't just be coming and going and hearing what God is saying without taking a decision, without making up our minds as to how we are going to live and who we are going to live for and what we are going to live for. We have to make up our minds today. We hear his voice. Because Amos says that two cannot work together except they are in agreement. So we must come to an agreement with the Lord. Otherwise, this thing, it will be a slogan. It won't happen. But I pray that God will help us so that it will not be a, a slogan. But it will be an encounter with the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So, to be naturally obedient, we must pray to the Lord for his help. And God says something that he will do to enter into this covenant with us. And I believe that we can pray to God that he will do this. It will become a reality in our lives. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33, which he also repeats in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10. He says that, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. So, we want to tell God that he will do this in our lives. He should put his laws in our minds. Any time that we are hearing the word of God, any time that we sit before him to open the word of God, may he write his words upon our hearts. May he put it in our minds. And you see, if we don't also sit before him to, to listen and to study, there will be no writing on our hearts. So, we have to have self-control, self-discipline to be able to sit before the Lord, to pray, to look into the word of God, the perfect law of liberty. And as we are looking in, He's inscribing it upon our hearts. He's putting it inside our minds so that we do not forget. So that as we are, all our actions will be according to the, the, the word of God. All our impulses will be in obedience, obedience to God's commandments. So that's why God decided that this thing I'm not going to keep it on tablets. No. I am going to put it in their minds. I'm going to write it on their hearts. So, for many of us, it hasn't translated from our tablets into our hearts because we have not opened to look into it. We have to open the Bible to look inside it. We have to listen. Then it will it will move from the pages into our hearts. It doesn't belong under our pillow. It doesn't belong in a, a favorite corner of our room to show that we are children of God who believe in the Bible. It must travel from the pages into our hearts. And it takes self-discipline to do that, to get this done. If we don't have the Word of God we are entering into that spiritual famine. And where that spiritual famine is, we saw what happened to Abraham, a man of faith who let his everything to follow the Lord. Because of spiritual famine, he entered into compromise and lies. So, none of us is above that. We need the word of God. Amen. Then, Let's also look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 to 28. 
He says that, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you will dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Hallelujah. So this is what we want to pray to the Lord to do in our, in our lives. In essence, we are asking him to come in and do this spiritual circumcision that only he can do. And when we talk about circumcision, even in the natural circumcision, um, the circumcision is done on the private part. You see? It's done on the private part. So there are many things that are hanging on our private lives that need to be removed. The secret sins that hang around us that we do in secret that is neatly concealed that nobody can see. But if we want to come to God to do this spiritual circumcision so that we can be obedient children so that his commandments will not be burdensome, then we have to be open before the Lord and ask him to sprinkle his word upon us to make us clean, cleanse us from filthiness and idols. And we have established in this house many times that um, when God's word is talking about idols, it's not because we have Amaga in our house that we are bowing to every day. But the idols that God saw that the people of God were carrying was nicely concealed in their hearts. And they were sitting before the Lord in the presence of the prophet of God. And God told the prophet that these people sitting in front of you, they have idols so. Their idols, you, you don't see. They have concealed them in their hearts. And they have come to inquire of me. God should help us. Amen. And remove, this is what he said he would do. So let us tell him that, God, this thing that you said you would do, please, do it. Do it in my life. You know your idol. You know it. Tell God, remove that idol. Break down that stronghold. Remove it. I want only Jesus to be my stronghold. So we want to pray to the Lord at this time that we want to be people who walk in obedience. We don't want to be yo-yo Christians up and down falling and rising and falling and rising. We want the crooked path to be made straight. We want every valley to be exalted. Every mountain and every hill to be made low. 
We want the glory of the Lord to be seen in our lives. Talk to God at this time. This is a personal discussion between you and God. It is very, very personal. Because God has a reason for telling us this year that I am almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. You know the things that are not perfect in your life. God has told you about it several times. Even at the beginning of this year, you know it. Tell God, I'm opening my heart to you. Come in. And let the work of grace be done in my life. Be glorified in my life. Be glorified. Every aspect of my life. Come and remove that stony heart. That rebel. Out of my life. That rebel that is always fighting against the word of God. That does not even allow me to to sit down and listen to what God is saying. That rebel that makes me always jittery. That wants to hear something else. That rebel that wants to be motivated to continue doing the wrong things. And yet, is looking for all the blessings and the miracles of the Lord. Tell the Lord, Father, come in and take out Cut out this rebel that has been making me rebel against you. Give me a heart of flesh. Put your Holy Spirit within me. Sharpen my conscience, the voice of my conscience that has been dead through trespasses and sin. Lord, awaken my conscience again so that I will be sensitive. That at the appearance of evil, oh, my spiritual antennas will see and avoid it. Awaken my conscience so that I can smell and see the danger of the vultures who are coming to, to steal and pollute my sacrifice, pollute my life. Lord, give me the strength to fight these vultures, these evil spirits who present themselves in so many diverse ways. Help me, Lord. I want to walk before you, blameless, above reproach. I want to live above the world, as the songwriter says. I want to be where faith abounds. I don't want to be in the valley where doubts abound. Lord, help me. Tell the Lord what you said you will do. This covenant that you said you, you will make by writing your words in my heart and putting your laws and your commandments into my mind. Lord, 
please come and do it. Anytime I take my Bible, let your Holy Spirit, let the finger of the Lord begin its work by writing upon my heart, by putting it into my mind. All your statutes, all your instructions in righteousness, Lord, give me the discipline to sit for you to do this work in my life. Lord Jesus, thank you that grace and truth is what you have brought to us tonight. Lord, move among us, O Lord. Touch each one tonight. Lord, you know our areas of need. We pray help us. We need you, Lord. Help us. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it with our own strength. You even cautioned your disciples, your inner circle. You told them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is so weak. It cannot help us to do anything. There's nothing we can do with our own might. It's not by mind. It's not by power. Lord, do this work of grace in our life so that we will be naturally obedient. Because he said by one man's disobedience, many became unrighteous. But by one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. Lord Jesus, by your obedience to the cross. We also lift our hands to you and say that, Lord Jesus, we want to be counted among the many who will be made righteous, who will no longer be manipulated by the prince of the power of the air, that power that controls the children of disobedience. Lord, remove us from the domain of this power so that we will be obedient children of God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that power that always controls us, that manipulates us, so that we cannot even help ourselves but to sin and feel guilty. Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Come, O oh Lord. Come and remove us from under the domain of that power that prince of power of the air that is working among the children of disobedience Lord remove us from there so that we will be children of obedience we choose you to be our God tonight we make a definite decision and we choose you dear Lord and father of our Lord Jesus Christ that you will be our God and you have your covenant with us forever. We thank you. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.